0: Hey guys, it's the Indie Mayhem Show. I'm Mike at Sorgat, Sorgatron, on the... I'm going to restart that. so I'm worried it got cut off at the beginning. Hey guys, it's the Indie Mayhem Show. I'm Mike at Sorgat, Sorgatron, on the Twitter. And this is a show where we talk with people in and around independent professional wrestling. And uh, we got a very special guest here. This week uh, with Black Diamond Wrestling, they got a show coming up. We'll get that in just a second. In the meantime, please check out everything with WrestlingMayhemShow.com and IndieWrestling.us. You can check both of those out for past episodes of the Indie Mayhem Show. And of course, you can subscribe to the Indie Mayhem Show on iTunes, Citrus Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music Podcasts, as well as video versions on the Wrestling Mayhem Show YouTube and Facebook page and US Facebook page as well and of course a lot of these are are uh, streaming these days on the US Twitch channel along with a lot of other clips and full shows over there as well so keep an eye out there and however you like to get your independent professional wrestling we try to be as many people as many people yes with as many people uh, as possible and of course drop us a line to goodtimes at goodtimesatwrestlingmamshow.com it works again and you can let us know any questions of uh, some interviews that you know are coming up anybody you think we should talk to or any other comments you have on the show or 412-206-WMS0 so this week I'm very excited to have our guests always fun when we get a wrestling promoter a long time wrestling promoter on with us as well he uh, is a promoter for a black diamond wrestling I know I've been bringing them a lot up here and there if you guys uh, check out on social media or on the shows uh, lately but Rick Diamond joins us here in the studio how you doing this week Rick
1: doing very well thank you for having me
0: (laughs) thanks for coming in uh, all the way in here of course you guys run up in, uh, uh, in, in West Virginia just I guess, south of Wheeling, right? If I got my directions
1: right. (laughs) From about three miles, five miles south of Wheeling.
0: Um, So we like a little icebreaker here to get things uh, right off the bat. Uh, So uh, the little get to know you question, um, what is your earliest memory of professional wrestling?
1: I believe it was the Global Wrestling Federation. That was my first live event. Okay. Uh, They were at the Wheeling Civic Center. This would have been approximately 1984, 85. And, uh, Is that
0: the same building that the, the nailers a, are yes, in now? Yes, it's the same
1: building that the nailers are in. And uh, the Sergeant Slaughter was taking on the Iraqi Sheik. Really? Yes. And I had an American flag. I was 12 years old. And back then, I don't want to say the cheap seats, but there was like $8 tickets if Mm -hmm. you weren't ringside. Mm -hmm. But we were up. I mean, they drew fairly well. And I'm waving an American flag. And this arena, like SmackDown's been
0: there. I think they've actually filmed the SmackDown there? Yes, they've done.
1: Well, there was a Raw originally done there years ago. Okay. So uh, I'm up, you know, the nosebleed section, even though it's not nosebleed, it's West Banco. Yeah. And Sergeant Slaughter called me out of the crowd. So, of course, you know, I'm trying to get down to the ring and... You know, my first ever live event, he gets me over the barrier, puts me in the ring. And, you know, this Iraqi sheik is, you know, just lambasting America and the American flag. And, you know, it's like, well, this is this is cool, especially when you're 12 years old, you know, Mm because you want to get in the ring anyways. So, you know, Sergeant Slaughter thanked me and held the flag and gave it a kiss and everything. So I get out of the ring and somebody at ringside, I don't know who it was. They were on with the company. Uh, they took the american flag you know like wait a minute now i brought this flag with me mm-hmm. so you know i'm not leaving it here well the guy carried it around ringside during the match why there was not an american flag for a sergeant slaughter match i don't know but i was the only one that had taken it from then on i was hooked That's awesome. um and i watched it you know the old awa on espn mm-hmm. and uh my dad grew up in McKeesport. and Back when studio wrestling, it's fake. We're not watching that. And I always tell the story. I'd tell my dad, "Well, what are we going to watch? Turn on Star Trek." <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Wrestling's <laughs> fake, but we're going to watch Star Trek
0: with the cardboard um, doors that people are moving. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, you know. And my dad just wasn't a wrestling fan, mm-hmm. um, and I just that was my thing. So uh, when I did start my own promotion, um, he was my biggest supporter. And there was a lot of times they would call him. Pop a heart, as if you know like uh, the heart Foundation, and I mean he took no active role other than supporting me coming to the shows, but that was that was my addiction that's where it, what hooked me that's awesome so so you know was there was there
0: were there any steps for you being involved with professional wrestling before becoming a promoter?
1: Very few um, anybody that's from Wheeling. The only thing we had in Wheeling back then, uh, in the early 90s when I crossed over, I guess, into independent wrestling, Um, oh, when I was growing up, we had Crockett Promotions, Mm -hmm. and then WWF back then, and uh, NWA, well, then WCW. So, you know, there was no independence, it was just WWF and WCW at the Wheeling Civic Center. And either organization would come one time a year. You know, you'd see them two, three, four times a year in Pittsburgh and Columbus, Cleveland, Wheeling's just not a strong market. So, uh, I was working at a store, an adult bookstore. That just seems to tie into wrestling (laughs) all the time, but I was working at an adult bookstore and a couple of guys would come in every now and then. And we just talked wrestling and, uh, Guy said, Well, you know, there's this place in Steubenville that's that'll train you. What do you mean? You know, the only thing I knew was WWF, of course, you know, the AWA and ESPN and such. Mm-hmm. He's like, No, it's just a small place. So, uh, I went up and got to talking to this guy, and he's like, Well, let me show you a couple things here. And, uh, I got a concussion the very first time I was in a ring. Oh, geez. So, you know, I went home and the time my wife's like this isn't something no this is something i have to do i i have to do it
0: you got the bug at that point yeah
1: so the second time i went up and uh was just learning the basics and there was another guy with me and he drops an elbow which wasn't trained to drop an elbow we was learning how to bump and this guy decides to drop an elbow and cracked my rib so i was like okay you know maybe this isn't no it is and uh the third time I went up, the building was boarded up. <laughs> there was nothing there. I mean, the building was literally boarded up as if it had been abandoned for years. Strike three. <laughs> so, uh, me and this guy come up with the idea of let's build a ring. So, uh, and I had taken drafting class in junior high and middle school, so I knew I could design it, you know, down to the measurements and how thick the steel needed to be and such. So, uh, him and I had a set of ring poles, welded, built, fabricated. And uh, we had helped set up for another group that had a wooden ring. And uh, so we'll just build a ring. So we built this wooden ring and uh, the trainer that was with this group in Steubenville at the time, Stormtrooper, um, name was Craig. He's passed away now. um, He had heard we had a ring. So, you know. In 96, 97, if you had a ring, guys just wanted ring time. Mm-hmm. So he drove down from East Palestine every weekend and uh, worked with us. And at the time, we had some school-aged guys, high school guys, that were backyard wrestlers. And uh, we gave them the opportunity to get in the ring. And he would come down and work with them. And so it was kind of, you know, making our own break. We Ran for a couple of years and, uh, my very first match that I ever got to work was for Aaron Lester. And uh, I think everybody in Pittsburgh knows who Aaron Lester is. You don't know for, Aaron- for those
0: that don't, because we we have a wide audience.
1: Okay. Aaron Lester uh, is a guy, I believe he was in media back then in the nineties. Um, from what I recall, it might've been like an over the air TV station or mm-hmm. an independent station. Um, and I, uh, a guy had introduced well, a guy had called us and said, Hey, if you guys want to work a show, uh, Aaron Lester's running in uh Washington PA at the pancake roller skating rink. <laughs> so I was
0: like, okay,
1: yeah, we'll go that up sounds there. Sounds like an amazing wrestling venue. <laughs> and uh so we yeah, and we had we had shirts, mm. you know. I mean we had our own little group. Um we were nobodies, you know. Um, we weren't nothing to be Know, bragging about I mean it was just our own little thing and uh, so we went up and we worked that show and from then on it was just an addiction um, and I worked uh, for Mason Dixon wrestling in Clarksburg area a few times um, worked for a guy in Huntington um, worked for Aaron Lester a few times but it just I don't know I didn't have the interest of being in the ring mm-hmm. as much as I thought I would, mm-hmm. you know, and and I'm a strong believer that there's a spot in professional wrestling for anybody that wants to get in. Doesn't matter whether you're you know, gifted in the ring or can talk on a mic. Yeah. If you're blind, I'm sure I can find a spot with you in black diamond. Yeah. There's, you have to love the business and that's the problem. Too many guys love the business, but see it from the wrong point of view. Mm-hmm. So uh, we ran a few shows and uh, worked a few shows. Then I was like, you know, I've done it. Now it's time to raise the kid, start the family, get the career. Mm-hmm. So I'd done that for three years. And it's was like, no, nah, the bug had bitten. And uh, that's when I started Black Diamond, um, specifically at the time so that Dash Bennett and Darren Smythe had a place in Wheeling to Wrestle because they were wrestling at PWX at the time, and uh, Mason Dixon wrestling. So their friends and their families, they weren't driving the hour and a half to McKeesport or to Clarksburg. I was like, okay, we'll build another ring, because I had sold my ring uh, to Aaron Lester. So that ring you built yourself. Uh Uh-huh. It was good
0: enough that you sold it to somebody.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, it actually, it was a wooden ring. Mm. It had wooden rails, wooden cross beams, plywood, wow. carpet padding. We had steel cable ropes, though. Um, so, and we ran, I mean, we had guys, if you recall, uh, guys like the tri fraternity. QB Blitz and Sam Hammer, I don't know if you remember those guys. Uh, Crusher Hanson, size of Crusher Hanson and Beastman. And these guys would do superplexes in this wooden ring. Never had a problem <laughs> uh so wheeling has a problem with facilities, so we found an old roller rink, and I believe the ceilings were probably seven foot five, eight mm-hmm. foot five I mean you could jump and hit the ceiling, mm-hmm. so we cut the ring down to where the beam set, so there was nothing under the ring structurally to hold it together more or less, and it would just always tilt in the poles would. And uh, that's kind of when I got to the point where I was like, no, this isn't working. You know, this isn't, to me, the vision of what professional wrestling should be. So, you know, we got done for the three years. And then I decided, okay, we'll put Black Diamond back. Well, launch Black Diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had made plans. Um, you know, we were building another ring. So I, you know, had new poles built and slowly got what I needed to build this other ring again. And uh, we had our very first show in June of 2003 at the Holiday Inn in Dallas Pike. Uh, And what's kind of odd in uh, February of 2003 is when I had my first massive heart attack. So everybody's, you know, Rick's done. No, I'm not. This is
0: 2003. 2003. And I believe, like, when I came to my first show in, when did I first meet you? January, maybe? February? Of, t- of this year 2018 yes uh, yes and, and january and, and you had just had another heart attack december 22nd like everybody told me it was like he just came back but well, you were you were in the ring t- talking about it in a yes. promo yes it was over christmas yes and that and, and 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 meanwhile i met you as the person like showing me all of the stuff you built Yes, and just built for that show. Yes, had just rolled out, and 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 everybody's like, yeah, he's had like his fourth heart attack. I'm like, yes. what? Um, and, and I didn't realize it went back to basically the beginning of the promotion.
1: The, yeah, the very, and at the very beginning, of course, you know, at the time we'd like I said Dash Bennett, Darren Smythe, mm-hmm. um, they were working PWX. So we had Jake Garrett, um, Scotty Gash, I believe, uh, worked the show. Potter Steele. Kid Cupid, uh, tri Chi Fraternity. It was mostly PWX because that's where Dash Bennett and Darren Smythe were affiliated. So, of course, you know, we do this show and my wife's like, you can't lift nothing, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's like, you know, I know my limitations. And I was still working at the time, so it didn't bother me. And uh, anybody that knows me, I always joke around about the heart issue. Um, and my thing is, Jesus can't take me out. Nobody's going to take me out. I'm going to go when I'm ready to go. Um, the, the best one, not that having a heart attack is their best one. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2013, 2014, I believe. Um, the very first year of the Buried Alive match that we done, I believe, was 2014. Um, I was setting it up on a Thursday at the Eagles in Wheeling. And we, the buried alive, uh, match consists of 400 pounds of dirt. So we had to get 400 pounds of dirt to the third floor of this building (laughs) by the bag full. So as I'm walking through Lowe's, I know what a heart attack feels like. So it's not indigestion. I have to get this dirt, you know, I'll go to the hospital after I get this dirt, (laughs) So, and I didn't tell my wife that I was having chest pains. So it's a Thursday evening. I get these bags of dirt, 40 pound bags of dirt, load them in my vehicle, pickup truck. I get them to the Eagles. Now I've got my nephew there, or my cousin and my daughter. And uh, I carried up a couple of bags of dirt and I'm sitting there and I told my cousin, I said, you have to bring the dirt up. And I told my daughter, I said, I'm having a heart attack. So I've got to get to the emergency room. You should. When dad says he's having a heart attack, they know dad's having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You know, And I mean, it's like a toothache anymore. You know, <laughs> when my dad had a heart attack, of course, my dad ended up passing away from heart ailments. My mother uh, was a little bit of that as well. My, I mean, it's just hereditary. It's bad. So, so for you, it's like, here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> uh, so we went to the emergency room and we go in and it never fails. I mean, I'm in my mid 40s now, but I've had my very first when I was 30 years old. So for the past 16 years that I've had heart issues, um, when I go to the hospital, it's because I'm having a heart attack, and it never fails. You're too young to have a heart attack, mm-hmm. you know. And at the time, you know, I've got seven stents. I'm not too young to have a heart attack. So, uh, like I said, it was a Thursday. Having the heart attack, we go to the emergency room. They do the all you know, clot busters and all the machines. And yes, you're in the midst of a massive heart attack. You know, get a hold of your family, call them in. Yeah, because I mean, there's you don't know. Yeah. So they go in up through the groin, angioplasty, place the stents, the whole nine yards. Back then, you had to lay twelve hours with a sandbag. You couldn't move. So Friday, my doctor comes in, and you know, you had a massive heart attack, done some damage to your heart. I said, okay. He said, we'll keep an eye on you for a few days and, uh, you see where things are going. I was like, no, we've got a wrestling show Sunday. He said, well, there's, you know, we've got a, no, I'm leaving here either Saturday or Sunday morning. I have a wrestling show Sunday night and, uh, they let me out Sunday morning and I Done the wrestling show that night. And, you know, mm. and I, it's just, you know, there are people. I mean, you've been around the wrestling business. Um, there are people that just don't like other people. And I've got my haters. I have my own vision of what I perceive even independent wrestling to be.
0: And speaking of that, and actually, you're getting a lot of fascination from the chat room. Uh, Tina out there in the West Coast is asking about how you pulled off a buried alive match, and and I've seen the mechanism uh, from this last one you guys pulled off uh, because actually that was the show I went to first was the buried alive one, <laughs> January. Yeah, uh, and I know I run into Jake Garrett at a lot of the shows here in the Pittsburgh area, and he 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 always like he's always putting over what you guys are doing down there. Of course, he's a booker there, um, and and I got to see this and see like the the things. That you get to make there. Um, explain briefly how you guys pull off a buried live match at an indie show.
1: Okay. Um, as with the WWE's buried alive match, mm-hmm. nobody's actually buried alive. Um, you know, yes, they're under dirt. We, we will say that. Spoiler, sorry guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they are under dirt and we've got 400 pounds of dirt. Um, uh, when I come up with the idea you know, nobody thought it would work Mm -hmm. because I come up with a lot of ideas and sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss. Um, but with the buried alive, one, I had thought probably two and a half or three years, um, how I wanted this to work. And it is about a shade over eight foot wide and, um, eight, about 16 foot long and uh, it's a platform. It's an elevated platform that sets approximately 32 inches high Um, and it's got artificial turf, doesn't have indoor outdoor carpet. So it actually appears as grass Um, and you pile dirt up. I mean, we use a shovel and rake and wheelbarrow full of dirt. I mean, we set production wise, you know, you've got to have a set Um, and how it works is just as it's designed to do. uh, You put your opponent into the grave. Um, We actually build styrofoam um,
0: headstones. And there's a, there's a shot of it from the most recent buried alive. It's a little dark on that picture, but I think you can make it out for the most part if you guys are on video with us.
1: Uh yeah, so when the guy goes in, um and, and if you look at it, uh it's a hole. <laughs> um it's it's wrapped so that you know pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um when the guy goes in uh without giving away the secrets, um he's no longer under there when he's buried. Uh, we'll give uh that perspective of uh, safety wise um, he's no longer under there, you know. And of course, you know, we've had fans, especially the young kids, um, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-olds that uh, you know, are worried about the guy. You've gotta you've gotta unbury him. You know, you can't leave him under the dirt. So, you know, for the safety aspect of it, you know, there is nobody actually, you know, covered in dirt.
0: Um. is And the other thing I always fascinate again. I, you know, Black Diamond is something I've heard from people. I've been on the show for much of the twelve years of of the Wrestling Mayhem show, and and I was really amazed. And I I kept hearing about these things. And and, and again, Jake kind of putting it over and everything. Like like, how much you guys build for that presentation. Uh, when I was there, I think you had just upgraded some stuff with the uh, the screens, and we'll throw an image up there for you guys on video, too, of what the venue looks like. I think this is a picture from uh, the January show as well with the Buried Alive. I mean, you're using uh, projectors and doing like a multi-projector layout, even covering up like the, the dreaded basketball hoop that I always hate when I'm doing production around a wrestling show in a gymnasium um, and really kind of taking advantage of everything that's going on there. Yeah, this...
1: Uh, was this the January show? I think this is the same January show. Okay. Yeah. The, um, yeah, that's, well, the, the setup is no longer like that. Um, <laughs> because it's all, you're always adapting it. Yes. Too. Well, I, I battle severe depression due to the heart issue. Um, so I have to keep myself occupied and my thing to keep myself occupied is I have to keep my interest up in wrestling. I get bored um very quick with um not matches. It's just I get bored when it comes to the wrestling aspect. And a lot of guys that know me um understand that, you know, Rick battles depression. So um to keep myself occupied, I design things, I come up with ideas, um, so when we got this, I mean, in 2003, when we started, um, we used a projection screen and, you know, back then it was, nobody was using projection screen in 2003, especially on the independent level. And, uh, you know, I looked at things and well, that's Okay let's change how we do things. And, um, back then we had an entrance way that was you know, two sheets of plywood, um, that had braces behind them and you'd come out through the middle and we cut holes in the plywood and we'd stack up a couple of tables and put, uh, 27 inch TVs into these holes, you know, you're small scale you're in a vfw you know and you're using 27 inch tvs but i mean with the time we had a guy that was like making videos this was the early 2000s it kind of worked but it was a pain in the ass to haul and set up and so then we had the uh projection screen and you know we actually done we'd hang a screen and you know slowly progress there um Years ago we done a show and nobody, you know, can see why Rick does what he does. Um and I've had workers actually ask me, is it worth all this? To me it is. Um, and the reason it is is because years ago we done a show and uh I mean we had guys uh, Corey Graves when he was Sterling work for us. Um You know, guys from Pittsburgh that were just phenomenal athletes. And I'll take nothing away from them. But I recall this six-year-old, seven-year-old boy telling his dad as they left, this wasn't real wrestling, you know. And for me, you know, to see Sterling James back then, that was Mm -hmm. wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I'm trying to think some of the other guys. Uh, Yeah, Potter was a ref back then. Um, But these guys, I mean, they were wrestlers. But this little boy told his dad this wasn't real wrestling. And I remember his dad asking him why. And he said, because they didn't have all the pretty lights. And that's always resonated with me that it doesn't matter what's going on in the ring. And it doesn't matter who's in the ring. If you don't have the production that wrestling is known for. It doesn't matter. And I mean, not taking away anything from places that don't have the production value that I see us as having. Um, it's a different, it's different everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's always, you know, looked down on black diamond. Um, they were the hillbillies down there that didn't know anything. So, uh, This is the same people that when I saw Samoa Joe
0: take on Ray Rowe in, I don't know, maybe 2008 or Mm nine. Like I remember distinctively that one person in like the third row I heard as I'm ringside with the camera saying, Oh man, Samoa Joe must not be doing good because he's here. Yeah. Like that. And that was, you know, IWC, which has been seen as one of the better ones
1: in the, in, in, in the the area. And that's what gets me, you know, over the past. And I, I don't, I've never inflated numbers. Mm -hmm. if we have 25 people i'll tell you we have 25 people you have i've seen it on facebook i (laughs) I mean if we have 105 people i'll tell you we have 105 people yeah yeah and for people to say you know it's always well rick's got a wooden entrance okay who cares it looks great yes you know rick's got (laughs) wooden. it's
0: it's it's, it's, i i came back and i told him this is like like I wish I had a better way to state it, but but it is like the best bit of redneck ingenuity and in professional wrestling yes. that I've seen. And I've seen you know Ring of Honor set up. I've seen other promotions yes. set up that have a little bit of money, you know, on the independents, you know, and and you know I've seen the setup at the arena, you mm-hmm. know, that Ring of Honor and Chikara were using. Um, and and I'm still more impressed about what gets pulled off in wheeling with years, because if you didn't throw a bunch of money at the problem you engineered the problem and that impresses me as a builder uh,
1: actually i you know and we had always had you know like our light towers um they're called glow totems you can look them up online at the time they were running about 5.99 a piece you
0: can see them in the background on the video that i'm playing right now um
1: Now, granted, the ones that you buy professionally, they are an aluminum frame Mm -hmm. and a nylon sock, and they've got a big LED light. Um, So I come up with the idea of, okay, I'm going to build my own. And I ripped down some 2 by 4s into like a 2 by 2 and took some bed sheets, stapled them to it, put an LED light that's 16 million colors with a little remote and created my own glow totem. And uh, we had six of them for under the cost of one professionally made. But
0: you also don't move them as much. So you don't need the durability.
1: Yes. But they are portable, though. We were taking them every show we'd done. We would have a big, you know, our traveling setup, our traveling entrance was 12 foot tall and 80 foot wide at the time
0: and to grow this so you so you, a little bit of a wider scope of what you guys do uh he sent me pictures all the time i know you did a projector under the ring to kind of give that effect like what happens with the lcd screens these days
1: yes we I, do three sides of the ring have projectors um which we've used them several times and uh, you know sponsors love it mm-hmm. because you're not missing that during the matches. And I try not to flash it during matches because I don't want to take away from what's going on in the ring. Um, but it's just, you know, looking at what is done and being able to do it on a smaller scale.
0: You had a pretty fascinating uh, light ring. Here's some pictures you were sending me here. I-, I love when I get this look that I made this time. Yeah, Stuff from you. Uh, this is great. This is awesome. Uh, So, uh, and that's, uh, you know, other than what's, again, what you're you're creating, even though you don't walk in, it's not the same as walking into a raw at the arena. Mm -hmm. Like you still have a lot of that. um, It's it's the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. It's the atmosphere. It doesn't feel like it's just some old gymnasium mm-hmm. which it is right yeah. which it, let's be honest that's where most of these are even if they do look good i mean yeah. ring of water still runs out of some of those places right yes but it doesn't look like it on television and and you're able to cover it up with things like this so yes. um let's talk a little bit real quick here uh we're running low on time here you got it's 15 years uh bradley is in the chat room and he's asking uh, uh give us a give us like two of your favorite moments From your 15 years of Black
1: Diamond Wrestling. Two of my favorite moments. Um... One of them would be we ran a Martin Ferry. Wait, I gotta hold on. Okay. Billy
0: points out you guys have pyro, pyro and WWE doesn't. Uh, you guys do have <laughs>
1: yes. We, <laughs> it's
0: like independent promotions got all the pyro WWE had on fire cell. So.
1: <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it. You know, it's small scale pyro, it is, but it's it still you know. I mean,
0: it's two like flame towers, and that's, that's yes. Well, we have
1: enough. we have artificial fire too. Oh yeah. Yes, we have LED <laughs> fire that's not real oh, fire. I haven't seen that. I haven't yes, seen that one because you know rick can't afford real fire um okay you we also
0: can't afford the building being burnt down that's so right I've you just- know we're
1: running a place with nine foot ceilings and you want to shoot 13 foot <laughs> yeah, flames yeah. it's not gonna but happen math, that's a great white situation there yeah well, always with, with the wooden entrance though we've got to watch it <laughs> caught it on fire in uh, uh, the bed sheet screens i love to, that back to the moments back though. to yes um most memorable moment actually it's there's there's Several. One uh, was years ago. We ran in this little rundown gymnasium, and uh, Jimmy DeMarco was the Diamond oh. Division champion. And just, uh, just ran the Jimmy out here the other day again. He um, took a girl's camera and smashed it off the wall, and the place went livid over this camera. Um, you know, if you know the business, we're just going to leave it at that. But it was just, there was two at that building that time and the time that uh, Bulldozer uh, made his debut in a casket match and uh, laid in a wooden casket for about 28 minutes. I think
0: you might have talked about that. This would be Beastman. Yes, uh, it would be Beastman, but he made his
1: debut as Bulldozer. And uh, he's laying in this casket with the lid closed. It's a plywood box with padding. And I mean, it had like the... The um, uh, silk overhang. I mean, I made it look more like a casket. And at the time, uh, uh, Chris Maverick was playing a druid. And I had to get somebody to get past Chris. You know, you can't tell it's Chris. And tell him, fan the lid of the casket. You know, Beastman's laying in this casket. So, you know, we had people walk past to tell Chris, fan the lid. He needs air. You know subtly, so he's you know lifting the lid. So that was two times. Uh, the other time was probably two times at this uh, other building with Gambino brothers. Um, is this the Martin's Martin Ferry? Ferry? Oh, good, because yes. uh,
0: Matt is in the chat room asking about this.
1: Yes, uh, Gambino brothers, awesome team. We had fun with them, and the lady that ran the facility at the time was uh, an obese woman. And well, she was fat. But she didn't have a problem being called fat evidently.
0: And I'm and I'm laughing cuz I just kind of I think I know where this goes. <laughs>
1: um and they were using chairs. Now we didn't damage chairs. And I mean there was a pile of chairs. There had to have been 25 or 30 chairs. I mean they're just throwing chairs in the ring. And this woman just went off and I can't recall what she said to Marshall Gambino. But I'm almost sure Marshall called her a fat bitch. And she didn't get offended by being called fat. We'll leave it at that. So um, she goes downstairs. And that's where her little office was. And, I mean, she's livid. So we've done our show. I mean, there was nothing damaged. The building's not damaged. The fans enjoyed it. We're tearing down. And she says, we're done. We can't have rustling there anymore. It's like, well, what's the problem? You can't have them guys. They want to call me a bitch. Well, so I knew she didn't have a problem being fat. So I went and I met with the board and, you know, she wanted to dictate what we've done on wrestling shows. Well, you know, you're the director of a gymnasium and a swimming pool. You don't know professional wrestling and what wrestling fans want. But, okay, what do we have to do to run here? Um, You can't have the Gambinos. She didn't like them. So I was like, okay. So we kept running there. Um, she wouldn't let anybody that attended the wrestling shows talk about the wrestling shows outside of wrestling shows. So during swimming, my nieces, nephews, fans that attended, couldn't tell their friends about the wrestling. Um, she wouldn't let us sell tickets at any time other than at the wrestling show. So it just kind of become a problem. And, uh, we knew we were on our way out, um, so we brought the Gambino brothers in, uh, and they had to walk past our office to get in this building. So they come in with masks on, and uh, they're in the locker room, and nobody knew they were there. Um, so during, I don't, I don't believe it was the main event. I uh, know it was you know, during the show. Uh, they come out. And took their masks off. Now, she was downstairs in her office. There's video cameras monitoring the gym. And uh, her children went down, you know, in her hall. The Gambino brothers are here. The Gambino brothers are here. Mom, mom, the Gambinos are here. (laughs) Like like there's an outlaw just came into town. Yes. So rather than her come up, uh, my cousin and his daughter and his wife, they're downstairs. It's near the end of the show. And she starts telling them, wrestling's done. I was no good. Blah blah this blah blah that. So my cousin's daughter come up and she's like, Rick, Rick, she's down there saying there's no more wrestling because the Gambinos was there. I was like, okay. So I let them do their thing. It was nothing got hurt. I mean, people loved it. So then I got up in the ring and let everybody know, hey, see that camera in the corner? Wave, she's downstairs, and we're not going to be allowed to come back, and she doesn't like the Gambinos, and she doesn't care about the fans. And So uh, we were out of there for a while. We ended up going back after she left. Um, We ran a few times, and we left it and went back again. It was just the market dried up. And to hear my haters, it's because Black Diamond Wrestling doesn't draw, but yet I couldn't understand... Their reasoning, when you've got guys like at the time, Chris Taylor, Chris Larusso, Ryan Mitchell, um, you know Trika Fraternity, Justin Idol, the Gambinos, you know, and then recently Jack Pollock, Matt Conard, System Elite, Brandon K a few times, Andrew Palace, all these guys that are working Pittsburgh IWC draws. Mm-hmm. PWX draws, you know, RWA draws. So we're using the same guys in West Virginia and aren't drawing, but yet it's because Rick's guys suck. Okay, I don't understand how Rick's guys suck when they're in Pittsburgh and they're drawing. It's mm-hmm. just market.
0: It's, it's a different, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it definitely, it definitely, yeah, depends on the, you know, you, we were talking about a little bit like you know, you're looking at the town and like, where, where would you even promote at? Yeah. Right. If there's nothing open in it, that's town, it. Right. Yeah. So, and we've got limited
1: and, facilities. And this is
0: a problem. It's a, it's a depressed town, right? Oh yes. Um, so you go, you go to a place like that and, and, and it takes a little extra bit to bring, uh, uh, you know, a crowd from a town that doesn't have money to begin with. Mm-hmm. So to do that extra. Well, stuff.
1: we've got WWE hasn't been to wheeling in two years. They'll be there July 14th. Yeah. I'll give them the plug. Mm-hmm. Um, they cannot sell out 5,500 seats at West Banko Arena. Right. With now, granted, everybody says, "Well, WWE sucks and this and that." It's a house show, you know. SmackDown doesn't do that great globally. Um, so, just for the sake of speaking, when you know uh, AJ Styles won't be there, which he was there for Ring of Honor, and they struggled to get 500, 600 people, mm-hmm. but you know, John Cena. Uh, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, these guys are not going to sell out West Bank Arena for fifty yeah. five hundred people. Yeah, but yet they'll come to Pittsburgh the, the, and the, draw
0: the same people that headline and bring eighty thousand to yes. to Dallas, right? So it's not you know there's a lot of more math that goes into yes. it, and it's always it, it's always about cracking that code in your town and seems, yes, right to the, yeah. the the bump that up or or what is realistic for your area too. That's it. So, so
1: you know when we run at a building that. You know, we get 27 people Mm -hmm. and they're all on one side of the ring. (laughs) It's not because we want them all on one side of the ring for the camera. It's because the building will only allow us to put them on (laughs) one side of the ring because it's a small building. So you've seen
0: seen the ups and downs. You got the 15th anniversary show coming up here. Tell us what's going on. I see there's a lot of names on this one, a lot of familiar faces.
1: Yeah. If you're familiar with Black Diamond, we don't, not that we don't book legends and names financially you can't book legends and names. Um, but with us having this new building and having some time to build up to it, the last few years we've struggled with having a stable facility. So, uh, once we built this and we've got a pretty good following, um, I had talked to DJ Z, um, I talked to him quite often about trying to get him in. He's a Um, local guy down there. Well, most people don't know his very first match was in Wheeling when he was Mm -hmm. 15. So, and it was with black diamond. So I got a hold of him and yeah, I'd love to things didn't line up this time. It did. Um, and then I'd known Shane Douglas for years. I've talked to him. We call each other occasionally. Um, and I thought, okay, you know, 15 years is an accomplishment for us Um, and independent wrestling. I think it's accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, we got DJ Z, which is current. Um, Shane Douglas, which is, you know, a little bit of a legend. Um, And I thought, okay, those two will be fine. Um, And then Chris LaRusso, which he's got his ring of honor tie. So I thought, okay, that gives us TNA ring of honor. And, To an extent, WCW, ECW. Um, Nobody really tries to put Dean Douglas into the WWF category. (laughs) So I thought, okay, that would kind of work. And uh, we've had Big Bully Busick in the past, who had just passed away. Mm -hmm. He was coming in on the anniversary show. So we had WWF, WWE, ECW, TNA, Ring of Honor, and uh, Billy Johnson. Uh, has come to a lot of shows and Billy's a fan of professional wrestling. Um, there's not enough Billy Johnson's in the world that just enjoy professional wrestling for the art form of professional wrestling. And, uh, so he had come to a couple shows and he was like, you got your anniversary show. I know a guy that'll come in if you don't have a problem. I was like, you know, budget wise, we've got to figure out where we're going with things and how to take care of things. And, he was like, OK, he says, you know, I think we can work with him. And, you know, what if Colin Delaney comes in? I can get a hold of him. It's like, OK, great. You know, so Colin Delaney's coming in. And uh, so once we started putting the matches together, um, then other guys was like, wait a minute. You know, I want to get in on this, you know, which they're guys that we've used in the past. So we've got a six way match uh, with DJ Z, um, Jason Gory, which. He started with Black Diamond years ago when he was training at IWC. Um, Andrew Palace, Lee Murarti, uh Facade, and Sean Phoenix. So, you know, and it was going to be, at first it was going to be a singles match. Then we went to a three-way. Then we went to a four-way. So we've slowly built it, the interest up to this six-way high-stakes match for the anniversary show. And uh, so we've got uh, that, you know, that's worth the price of admission, you know. 10 bucks for a bleacher seat, $12 a day of the show. There's no reason why anybody wouldn't pay $12 to see that match alone. Absolutely. Uh, so then we've got Colin Delaney and Chris LaRusso. Uh, they were just on Ring of Honor television, so we've got that match. Uh, Nathan Allridge, um, if anybody's not met Nathan or seen Nathan work. Uh, Nathan is a true Southern wrestler. Um, he is going to face Shane Douglas. Um, and that was built up. Nathan's calling himself, you know, the franchise player of Black Diamond. Just to build that little angle with, okay, the franchise. Um, we've got Beastman taking on Gavin Jacobs for the championship. Uh, sexy, talented dudes. Chest Flexer and Billy Ruxman. A show favorite. With a mystery third partner. A mystery third STD, so... <laughs> I mean, you can get a couple of STDs. It's that mystery third one that you've got to get. It's the
0: mystery one you can't get the medication yes. for, yeah.
1: Um, and they're going to take on MTO, which is Dan Sandwich, Destin Vane, Ronnie Starks, and uh, Nick Mira just returned after several years of not being with Black Diamond. And that's a championship match. Um, Jake Garrett is actually wrestling. Uh, Jack Pollock. So, you know, that's worth 12 bucks just to see those two. Uh, Matt Connard and Remy LeVay are going to take on uh, Keith Haught and Tony Johnson, the Bearcat and the Iceman. Um, Phenomenal workers. Mm -hmm. You know, so to be on the 15th anniversary show, you know, is really worth attending. Uh, We've got uh, Zach Hunter and Harley T. Morris, um, two guys that, are new to the business, have not been around an ultra long time. And then we've got uh, Calvin Couture and Robert Parker. Um, they're going to work a tag team match against a mystery tag team. It's the anniversary. You've got to have little surprises. Yeah, some surprises. Good. So, and, and
0: Billy also points out he's uh, also doing a drawing for a one of a kind prize for anyone who buys a ticket. Only way to get it is to buy a ticket to the show. So... So a lot of fun yes. stuff there. Where can it, people find uh, information to get t- get their tickets?
1: Blackdiamonduniverse.com. Um ringside is sold out. However, we are yeah. it's not WWE and you know ringside seats became available. Um <laughs> we've got room for ringside chairs. We yes. just have no chairs. So <laughs> we're trying to uh Get some chairs before Sunday mm-hmm. so that we can add more ringside. Not, there's plenty of room. I mean, there's there's, there's oh, yeah. bleachers. Yeah, but, we were uh, looking. Uh, right now we've got, um, I believe, just a shade under 100 ringside chairs. Nice. Um, which we would have more. But if as you saw when you were there in January, we have a sofa <laughs> alongside the I entrance ramp. Which I love this. Now we have a sofa on each side of the entrance ramp. Nice. And that's the best seat in the house. One of our sponsors is a furniture company. Mm -hmm. Um, They donated two sofas. So you buy a ticket for a buck. The odds of winning or depending on how many buy, you pull the number. If you win, you get to sit in the comfort of home at a professional wrestling (laughs) show. So uh, we were looking there today. Um, We can probably get another another hundred chairs ringside if we could come up with them. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I think we've got it figured out. We can get almost 300 in the stands, Thanks. so we could get between five and 600 people. It would be tight at five or 600 people because it's not a regulation gym. The school was built 1901, and you know people were shorter then, so gyms weren't as long or wide. <laughs> but uh, you know, anybody that's a history buff, come down just to go in the building that Charlie Manson went to school in. Ooh, so, why
0: isn't that yeah. on the poster? That, I mean, especially <laughs> with the- <clears throat> because when you live down there, no, Charlie's not, not a, a popular thing. person. Oh, so you need the you need to geolocate that to the outside yes. of and get the Pittsburgh people down there because yes. I know a lot of people will probably be uh, down with that. That be yeah. sure. now, no, I mean, I'm going to share the poster with that. Yeah. Now
1: you don't have <laughs> access to the entire building. I mean, no. we've just got the gymnasium, the bathroom, and yeah. such, but you know. To just be in the gymnasium that Charlie Manson is But I'm saying, revenue at. opportunities yes. here.
0: I'm just saying, I know some people that could partner with you on. Hey, that. maybe
1: I print my own shirts, you know that? So maybe I could do a Charlie was here shirt <laughs> with a diamond. <laughs> That might... There you go. Hey, it's a marketing opportunity. There you go. All right. Vinyl stickers even. Hey, now we're... Check it out. Black Diamond
0: Wrestling. And of course, if you're not, if you catch this later, uh, Beyond the 15th Anniversary Show, you guys run monthly out there, right? Yes.
1: First Sunday of the month. First Sunday of the month. Go check it out. Barring a holiday or a WWE (laughs) pay-per-view.
0: yeah yeah i want to compete with those um you guys uh and of course we 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 had the opportunity to go down and film for indie wrestling.us um the matches from the royal eight tournament the uh the Haas tournament which yes. was very was a lot of fun is available on the indie wrestling.us uh facebook and youtube page and the twitch channel as well so you can see uh exactly what these guys are doing down there and see uh, what kind of quality this show is And it was a lot of fun to come down there and doing that. and looking forward to see uh, what comes of the anniversary show as well. At the
1: 15th anniversary show, really quick, the Shane Douglas, Nathan Ulrich match is for the Quality Rentals Internet Television Championship. (laughs) It was a sponsored title. I'm not going to turn it down. That will be live streamed um, either on the Black Diamond Wrestling, Black Diamond Universe Facebook page or the Rick Diamond page. I haven't decided which one we're going to do it under yet. The day of the show, it'll be streamed live, i nice, sure.
0: Nice, nice, nice. So keep an eye out for that. Definitely something to look for. Thank you so much, Rick, for joining us here. It's, it's been awesome to, to get to know you over the last couple of months and see what you guys are doing down there.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, and of course, check out them and check out everything else going on, including a lot of our friends over at IndieWrestling.us, and and please hit us up at the email address at GoodTimesAtWrestlingMayhemShow.com or at MayhemShow on Twitter, and let us know anybody you think we should be chatting with, not just around the Pittsburgh and uh, West Virginia and Great Cleveland or you know, greater tri-state-ish area, uh, but we can talk to people from all over the place and check out past interviews for the Indie Mayhem Show uh, over at WrestlingMayhemShow.com and IndieWrestling.us. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for a hot chat room here on a Tuesday night before we get to Wrestling Mayhem show. And uh, until next time, please support indie wrestling. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.